Before this podcast starts, I just want to let everybody know that I had the settings on my audio recorder messed up this week. So it actually recorded my audio through its own built-in speakers or built-in microphone on the recorder itself. So I didn't realize that until just right now as I'm sitting down to edit this podcast and it sounds just really echoey and I apologize for that. Uh, If you listen to our other podcasts, obviously my audio sounds much better. Mic still sounds good. But yeah, my dumbass, I forgot to switch to my good condenser mic, so enjoy the echoey ambiance of my room, and I hope it doesn't bother you too bad. Hey, you never listened to this podcast because I was smart or uh, some kind of tech genius. Anyway, here's the episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 58 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017. Uh, Mike, my co-host, is here. Holy shit, we are already in August. This year is coming to a abrupt end already. Feels like it just began. Good God. Yeah, it's been going by pretty quickly, but that... That's kind of a good thing, I, I guess. I mean, a little, I, I'd rather have the year go by quickly than go by super slow. But that's just me personally. Uh, I know my date wherein I start school again is looming. And um, that means uh, that there might be some rescheduling with the podcast, folks. I just thought I'd let you know, all let all of you know that right now, way ahead of time. Um I'm going to try to see, I'm going to try to work it out so I can still do it on Wednesday, um, but we shall see. My schedule is going to be pretty busy with uh, school going to WC Vancouver, um, and the five hours on the bus every day doesn't really, <laughs> it takes a lot of time out of my day as well. Five hours on a bus? Yeah, because it's two and a half hours to get there, and then another two and a half hours to get home. Now... It's a large part because the the state was being a bunch of assholes and decided to take away the route that went straight to the campus. So, uh, and there's a bunch of transfers I got to take. So I got to do all these transfers, and then, um, and then I got to walk like almost a mile, like over half a mile to the campus. Five days a week. Damn, dude. You better get that car game going soon. I'm working on it. Uh, I'm also going to consider trying to carpool or making some friends and being like, hey, I'll pay you some gas money if you, you know, just give me a ride home. The ride home, the, the ride there, I can deal with that. It would be nice to have somebody to take me home. That that would be nice. Um, but maybe my parents can pick me up too. I don't know. It depends. I might. Damn, I mean, I might even ask them. I might even say, "Hey, you know, can you please just pick me up?" <laughs> because it takes thirty minutes for you guys to get there. It'll take me, and that gives me more time to be able to work on my homework and things like that. And I'm pretty sure they'd be able to work it out. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll discuss that with my parents. 
Um, well, it's not like not like this is the first time we've had to change the podcast around. We used to record back in the olden days, the golden age of uh, uncovering unsolved mysteries, as it used to be known. Uh, we used to record on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then I don't know why it just somehow got moved yeah, to Wednesday, yeah. and it's released for the Patreons on Wednesday, and it's released uh-huh. to everybody else on Friday. And so. Uh, so hopefully everything will be okay with that. We might just have to be doing it later in the evening or in the morning before I go to uh, class, or it'll be on a different date. Now, it's fucking hot as balls outside today. Um, I'm going to try to do my best to stay hydrated during this podcast, because it's going to be over 100 degrees outside. Like, it's as a high, a wow. high of like 106 or something today. Holy shit. Yeah. You got us. You got Florida beat right now, dude. It's like rain. It was like raining like crazy. Like here. you're like what? Vancouver in Vancouver. It's hotter than Florida. Like you can't even believe. I can't believe it either. It's so. It's gonna be over ninety degrees at least. It's gonna be another over hundred degree day tomorrow. Uh, there's an excessive heat warning over here in Vancouver and in uh, Portland, the Portland, Oregon area. This is the type of heat that this area of the United States is not used to. None of us are used to this. So, that's global warming at its finest, right there. Also, so, I, I haven't done a trial run to to take the bus to get to the campus yet, because I'm like, it's fucking 100 degrees, I ain't fucking going outside. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's... I, I wish you could have just said all that like Joe Pesci just said. J- just said that would have been great. It's, it's fucking, fucking hundred degrees, degrees outside. outside. I ain't fucking, go- fucking going outside. <laughs> God, I wish I could. I, I still wish I could just say <laughs> "fuck you" in his exact voice. Like, like you can only use it ten <laughs> times in life. Like, hey, fuck you. I don't know. He's just got such a the New York, a yeah, crisp yeah. New York accent. Yeah. Speaking of heat, though. Um, uh, that's that's kind of how it was for me uh, this sat- la- previous Saturday. Uh, I had to do a wedding in St. Augustine Beach. St. Augustine is a tourist trap city um, that is by Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people like to get married there. Um, whatever. But uh, I, did a, I was a DJ and they had me outside under this tent. And um, at that particular wedding, there was not one, but two heat strokes uh, <laughs> that happened. Yeah, Shit. one was this lady... Yeah, one was this lady who was just, you know, she, I guess she was in her, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, whatever, and she had it as pretty much as soon as they walked up the sand dunes to go down to the beach, uh, I see the, the ambulance coming, and at first I got kind of annoyed, because I was like, man, way to ruin these people's wedding and make it all about you and your fucking heat stroke, lady. I mean, apparently this lady was from out of town and didn't realize that you're supposed to, like, not go to a wedding on an empty stomach and not drink any water, which is apparently what she did. Like, you're not supposed to go to a wedding in Florida in the middle of July. How do you not know that? I mean, come on. I don't know. And that's that's what pissed me off, because people might hear this and go, oh, wow, Josh, you know, she can't help the heat stroke. Well, yeah, you can, actually. You you can totally prevent heat strokes. Uh, And then later on that night, the grooms... Look at the temperature, you know, outside before you decide, oh, I'm just going to go out there on an empty stomach and no fluids. 
What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, and then later on that night, the groom's father had a damn heat stroke, and they had to take oh, him. Oh, that's pretty scary. Yeah, and, and like the sun had kind of gone down at that point, so I guess... And and he had been like drinking and boozing it up, so that's that's even you know adds insult to injury because you know alcohol, yeah. alcohol is a diuretic, so you're actually losing even more fluid uh-huh. via urine. So yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that happened uh, Saturday. That was a that was a fun experience. Sounds pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, it's so hot out here. I I half expect the predator to show up, and you know, because the predator shows up in areas that are super hot, and. Uh, shows up with a few days to kill. Um, but anyway, uh, other than the heat, I adopted a cat from the Humane Society recently. Uh, his name is Olympus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's turning six this August. And he's super sweet. And uh, he's chilling right now. I'm just laying in his cat bed on my bed. Uh, we have another cat named Vegas who's a, a tortoise shell, and she's got a lot of attitude problems. So she's not reacting well to this other cat. So we're still trying to acclimate her with Olympus. And so Olympus is hanging out in my room for now until we can get it so, so, to the point where he can go outside in, in other parts of the house and, and Vegas isn't going to freak out and all of that. So I um, guess you I guess you could say that Mike finally got some pussy. Oh, <laughs> ding 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 ding! I'll be here all night. Oh Jesus, um, slow brow. No, he he's honestly a, a really sweet cat, and ever I've ever since I've had him, I've noticed an, an improvement in my mood and kind of how I've been feeling lately, and uh, he. You know, he's just one of those cats that's pretty chill for the most part, and I like that. And uh, I, I've, I've recorded videos, and he'll just hang out there in the corner, or, or then move over and go lay in his cat bed again. I mean, the main, I've just had, you know, cat hair and all of that, but, you know, hey, that's, it is what it is. I just need a different comforter that isn't going to show it as much. Um, so, so you're saying that it's harder to call a movie a steaming pile of dog shit when there's a cute little cat laying in the corner of the room? No, when you're no, 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 absolutely not. Because he's just super chill, so I can be as loud as I want, and he just doesn't really care, which is actually really nice. Um, yeah, it, 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 the only time he bothers me is when he need, wants to be fed or when he wants some at- attention. Um, but other than that, he doesn't bother me that much, so. Uh, it's it's definitely a a good match. So um, I am highly allergic to yeah. cats. I mean, I I can't be around them for longer than five minutes before my life turns into a living hell with uh, the allergy attacks. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, I, I know because I mean I do like cats. You know, they they nestle up next to you and they do all that cute cat like shit. And it's it's just it's it is sweet. You yeah. know, so it's like I don't have a problem with cats. I just can't be around them. Like. I'm, I'm obviously I'm more of a dog person. I grew up with dogs my whole life, but well, we were thinking about getting a dog at first, but the dog that my parents were thinking about rescuing wasn't was adopted already, and so Olympus, I, I fell in love. I fell in love with him the first time I saw him, which was a couple weeks ago, and he was already like meowing at me and talking to me and already letting me pet his, you know, scratch his ear uh, behind the the kennel that he was in. 
And then uh, since we couldn't adopt the dog, I, I convinced my parents to, to, to let, let us adopt Olympus. So. Oh, Mom, can we keep him? <laughs> Please? And I've been, I've been doing good. I've been keeping up on feeding him and, and, and cleaning the litter box and stuff like that. So, yeah. And he's also a great alarm clock because I, I, I haven't been sleeping in too much because of Olympus, which is actually good because I really honestly been sleeping in way too much to the point where I've been just completely sleeping away most of my day. So, you know, that's another added bonus. And some people might be annoyed by that, but I'm like, I, I take it as a positive because it's like the alarm clock doesn't really seem to do that much. But a cat, you know, pawing you in the face, that, that'll definitely... Now, he doesn't have any claws out or anything. He's just touching me on the head. Yeah, speaking of sleep, my sleep has been all kinds of fucked up the last two weeks. Yeah, no, I heard you were having uh, insomnia and things like that. You talked about it in the last podcast. Uh, is it getting any better? Well, it's 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 like I have like good nights and bad nights. Like I, I have night, uh -huh. I have nights where I like fall right to sleep. Like the last three nights, I just I had fallen right to sleep. But then last night. I don't know. It's like, at first, I think it was the medication that I was on. Um, I think I was on this anti-anxiety medication called Buspar, yeah. and um, it wasn't really helping my anxiety that much. It wasn't really doing jack shit. So if it wasn't doing anything, that I, I would have just gotten off. That's what I did. I, it, all it was okay. doing was it was making it to where it seemed like it was harder for me to sleep at night, and that was the only variable in my life. So I thought, oh, let's stop taking the medication, and I'll yeah. return to normal sleep. But, like, I had already kind of programmed myself to, like, fear, be fearful around sleep time because of, you know, insomnia is shitty, dude. Like, for me personally, like, it gives me anxiety when I can't sleep because I'm like, I want to get this day over with and I want to go to sleep and I want to wake up and start the next day yeah. rested. Have you tried doing things to try to, like, unwind your mind before you go to sleep, like read a book or uh, watch a show or something yeah yeah I, wa I watch yeah i watch family guy usually an episode of family guy which is a funny sh you know show to me at least and uh, i play a game on my cell phone and then i go to bed and uh i don't know sometimes my brain's just like i don't know sometimes sometimes try it just reading a book sometimes that can help yeah i well i've been when I, it, it's it's like i get to Have a certain tried the warm milk thing too nah, i'll try that bullshit that's like I, <laughs> to me that's wives tales um <laughs> Uh, when it, it's like I get to a certain point mentally to where it's like you are too wound up you're just not going to sleep yeah that's why that's why it would help to you know maybe read a book or or um I, I don't know I just I just take that some been, people exercise some people do that yeah fuck that that wear themselves out I'll get your uh, it's 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 all it's all a mental thing it's a psychosomatic thing at this point it might it yeah. might have started off as a medication but now I've I've made it yeah I've made it, it a thing well you know I wish you the best of luck uh getting better you know getting a better sleep now speaking of that speaking of uh, uh getting sleep uh, sleepless nights uh uh, I know a lot of people have actually had sleepless nights or have had nightmares or were creeped out by the first segment we will be discussing on the podcast today. And that segment is the infamous arson segment, the arson tape segment, the Stockton arsonist. Look at Omar. Look at it. Look at it. 
So yeah, it, it's it's a case that a lot of people remember who have seen the who have seen the show and grew up with it because it it is a great case because it has the horror elements of like just finding some random tape and then it has like this creepy uh footage on it from the person who more than likely committed the crime on it and in retrospect i can totally understand why people were creeped out by this tape but when i look at the segment now i can't help but laugh because the, the it's clearly a kid it's clearly some teenager who's overacting during the narration. This is hell. This is my hell. This kid Look is, at it, Omar. This, this kid is what, what we would call a doofus in high school. Yeah. Uh, one that you might bully, even. Uh, he, he, <laughs> I'm not advocating... I said I'll do it! <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right to bully people, but, but you know, this, this was the, the kid that probably, probably was bullied in school, and so to feel powerful, you know, much like the Columbine kids, you know, they, they were kind of the outcasts, so they did this really destructive uh-huh. behavior to, um, you know, to try to get respect or to get to feel powerful because they didn't. Obviously, they felt very weak. Um, yeah, I remember this one from from uh, a, a being a kid as well. Any any like segment that we cover on the podcast, I actually remember as a kid. It's kind of more special to me, just I guess for nostalgia reasons. Um, so yeah, I, remember, I definitely remember seeing this one on Lifetime. And um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean it's it's kind of creepy, but at the same time, it's like. I guess when you get older and you you don't really like put a whole lot of credence into Satan and spells and witches and stuff, it, it just kind of becomes more silly than anything else. I think as I think as a young yeah. kid, with the whole like demons and Satan and all that stuff are real and they're lurking around you. I guess watching this as a kid was more scarier because of I I really believed in all that stuff so i was like oh man this guy yeah. is like a manifestation of a demon and now i look at him like this kid's a fucking dork <laughs> who needs who needs to get laid badly <laughs> <laughs> so uh on august 15th 1989 an overheated car pulled to the side of the road in stockton california the owner was a man we'll call joseph vila joseph inspected the damage while his wife and son looked on he decided that he and his son should walk to the nearest phone. On the way, they noticed a camouflaged jacket on the ground. Inside a pocket was the, an unlabeled videotape, as well as a bunch of heavy metal albums on cassette and some other paraphernalia that they assumed might be Satanist. You know, it was like a tiny skull and a few other things. Joseph and his son decided to take the video home and watch it. Now... This 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 reenactment cracks me up because I'm like, who does this? Who finds a tape on the side of the road somewhere and then decides to get the family around together and sit down on the couch and watch this mysterious, you know, unknown tape they found on the ground? I mean, who does that, really? Family movie night. Let's watch this this tape. We have no idea what the fuck it could be. It could be a porno. It could be a snuff film. I mean... <laughs> it's really funny you say that, Mike, because, like, this literally just happened to me. Not with a tape, a VHS tape, 
But me and my friend were walking through our uh, this neighborhood that I live in, and uh, on the grass in somebody's yard on the street, like the house was on the corner of the street, and the the lawn like extended all the way out to the corner of the street. And in the grass there was just a CD, uh-huh. and I pi- I picked up the CD. And I was like, I am taking this home and listening to it, damn it. I love finding stuff like that. Like, you never know what it's going to be. It was, like, forgotten about and tossed to the side. You never yeah. know what kind of gems are going to be on there. Uh-huh. And it turned out it turned out to be, like, this rap CD. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm guessing it was a local rapper. Um, and it, it was kind of hilarious. The, the music, for, for rap, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it sounded, like, comparable to shit you might, you might hear on the radio. It was a little lower level production, but... I think I actually found him on Facebook too, and uh, just kind of trolled his page. And I was like, "Oh wow, this this is this is uh, interesting or whatever." So I can I I can understand where where they're coming from with this because I love finding shit like that. Uh, I I remember finding yeah another rapper. Speaking of rapper, I found his flash drive at, at college. It was just on the ground and no one was around, so I took it home and. He had his music on there, and he also had pictures of, I guess, his girlfriend and like all these like lingerie and shit, like all these sexy <laughs> pictures of his girlfriend or oh, some no. or some girl. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, I love finding shit like that because you never know what you're gonna, what's gonna be on there. Well, I mean, I would hope you wouldn't find something like really incriminating. Like, you know, that's the terrifying aspect of that. Like, what if it was something like this or or something like. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of child porn on the flash drive, or you know, yeah, that would be a little different. The, the, infamous, <laughs> the infamous snuff film. Oh God, I, uh, yeah, but, that, that yeah. would be disturbing. Exactly. This was. I could see why police were disturbed by this because they clearly knew that this was somebody who was mentally deranged who was narrating this particular uh, videotape. But yeah, I really, I, I get it. I, you know, the curiosity type thing. But it's a family. I don't. I don't buy the whole having your kids watch this mysterious tape. I, I don't really buy it. I don't. I, I think that was made up for the the segment. I really do, because what what parent would do that? Like I I, I would watch it first, and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty messed up. I, I'm not letting Timmy watch this. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, the family immediately turned it over to the police, who were convinced that the person holding the camera had also set the fire. Captain Frank Curry of the California Department of Forestry assumed the disturbing voice heard in the videotape belonged to the arsonist. He's quoted here, and he says, I've never run across anything as eerie as this tape. It frightened me. As a matter of fact, I thought about it that night when I went to bed. Like, really? <laughs> you must have pretty a lot of slow... You know, not necessarily slow news days, but you must have a lot of slow crime days or slow, you know, not very big crimes, you know, that, that you have to deal with in your in your community. Yeah, some, if, if some little... That's the one. <laughs> some little suburb of California. Meanwhile, like, you know, the NYPD, they're like, oh, you got a little tape of some, some idiot laughing as they burn down a house. Oh, that's cute. I had somebody cut someone else up into little pieces and place them into jars. I had to go investigate that scene. Uh, call me when something like that happens and tell me about your sleepless nights. Exactly. And, and the way he laughed, too, is, is hilarious because it's clearly a fake laugh. So he's all like, ah, ha, 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 ha. You didn't think I'd do it! You didn't think I'd do it! I did it! That's exactly how he talked, dude. I'm not. He sounds like Richard Nixon. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) I am not a crook! 
Yeah, he kind of, like he he just sounded mm. like a doofus. Like that's like all you can really say about it. He did. It, I mean, this kid would never do this if older kids were around. Like, he wouldn't be saying exactly. all this shit. The older kids would be like, they'd like punch him in the stomach and like be <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> what are you doing, you dork? You know, like, I don't know. Like, he, th- th- this kid is clearly living in his own little world. Yeah, but clearly. the scary part is his own little world to the extent that he was willing to burn a fucking house. That, that's, exactly. that's the difference. This, this, I do feel that this kid is a total dork, but he's dangerous, though, because he's not mentally all there, clearly, and so he's willing to do things like burn a house down, and with uh, other information that was provided by something other than Unsolved Mysteries, which we will also mention in this particular part of the podcast, um, it, that really puts that to light. That really shines a light on how truly messed up this kid is. Or this kid was. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, was he messed up, or or, or did he have a fascination with like the darker, uh, the darker yeah, elements? I, 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 I will, I will go in more in depth on that later. But uh, yeah, I mean, he even ends the videotape with this, you know, this laughable line delivery, like, "Good night, ladies and gentlemen." Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to try to insert that audio in here at some point, too, so you guys can hear. Because this... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back to the whole clip thing again. And then he does the stupid laugh again at the end of yeah, the Yeah, I mean, in this clip, this is, uh, you know, this is... This is like public domain. This is like news, you know. The, like at, the, at this point, this is like news shit. So I mean, it's like I'm not ripping this directly from Unsolved Mysteries or anything like that. So they can suck it! Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey... Cosgrove and Moyer, I got two words for you. Suck it! But anyway, um, Captain Curry and the investigators studied the videotape in order to pinpoint the location of the fire. When we listened to the tape, it was hard to understand certain words that this person was saying. So we sat down and we actually went through this tape, I mean hundreds of times, and came up with a script. He says, I told you I'd do it, Omar. Is Omar the property owner? It's it's a revenge type burn. Is Omar the construction per- person that maybe hired this person and fired him and made that a revenge motive for the fire? We really didn't know who Omar is. A county arson investigator accompanying Joseph Vila's brother to the spot where the tape had been discovered. Amazingly, the jacket was still there. In it, they found a wooden pestle, the kind used to grind herbs for satanic rituals. I love how they just, like... 
assume, oh, it's a wooden pestle. Pestle. It must be used for satanic shit. <laughs> Nearby, they also found a glove that matched the jacket and a ceramic skull. According to Captain Curry, the skull suggested Satanism, as did the words of the arsonist. Those are basically basically the clues. All we have on the video, and that's why we need to find out where this went down. Where Where is this home? As we viewed the tape, we realized that there was fire suppression equipment that had responded to the incident. Uh, and we thought, if we can enhance the tape, bring those shots in a little bit closer to us, we may be able to get a door mark or a house number, or maybe even a fire department insignia on the door. Despite a frame-by-frame analysis, the photographic enhancements did not reveal any new details. Investigators were still unable to match the tape with any reported fires in the state of California. The tape was found by the Vila family just a few yards from Interstate 205 near Stockton. Interstate 205 feeds into several major highways. According to Doe Allen, a law enforcement coordinator for the California Department of Forestry, the fire could have happened anywhere in the U.S. I think the person who made this videotape and is responsible for the fire will, without a doubt in my mind, continue to set fires. And the person, this person needs to be apprehended and stopped before his fires become more destructive. And there's a few of those type of, these type of serial arsonists that will move into another criminal area. The house appeared to be a one-story ranch with two chimneys. There's another house on the left side of the picture, partly hidden by a white trailer. The trailer indicated that the burning house was possibly under construction. There's an update to this case, actually. Within minutes of our broadcast, several viewers called and identified the house seen burning on the videotape. It was located in Redwood City, California, 80 miles west of Stockton. The house that was destroyed was under construction at the time. Today, it has been rebuilt. Surprisingly, on the night of the blaze, Woodside Fire Captain John Delingese also videotaped the fire. While I was setting up the command post directing companies to extinguish the fire, I had set up my video camera to film the fire for training and investigation purposes. By comparing Captain Delengay's tape with the video shot by the arsonist, investigators were able to confirm that this was definitely the fire's location. According to Detective Mark Polo of the Redwood City Police, authorities had two suspects. Some of the calls received led us to a 17-year-old Woodside youth. We interviewed that youth. Through that interview, it led us to a 19-year-old Redwood City youth who was arrested and interviewed and subsequently admitted to burning the house, taking the video, and was the one who talked on the videotape. Both suspects were underage when they set the fire and they were tried as minors. One served time at Juvenile Hall and the other was committed to and admitted to a state mental hospital. (laughs) As he should have been. Now, this isn't where the case ends though because it's not like there was more fires or more stuff but there's there's extra information and extra juicy bits of detail that was not featured at all in the segment on unsolved mysteries and it's covered on cold case files uh season one episode 14 reconstructing a murder slash fire flicks and the one that focuses on uh the case the arson is the arson case that's featured in the segment is the fire flicks part and there's a lot of stuff where they just give you the same kind of information you heard already in the segment. So only like half of the 20 minutes that are, that are devoted to covering uh, this arson case are any kind of new information. But the, the half that you do hear and see is actually pretty crazy and, and actually pretty interesting, I thought. So one uh, thing of note is that there, were, there was not only one fire 
in this particular area, there was like 11 of these fires in this redwood uh, part of uh, California. So it's one of those things that's like, wow. I mean, so it wasn't just one fire. It was 11 fires that were all assumed to be arson around the area of Redwood City, California. Uh, Then they actually did reveal who Omar was. Omar was a friend of the the kid who was doing the narration and the one who was responsible for burning the house that's on the videotape. The police actually found out about him. I believe the neighbors, uh, who I believe, the, I, don't, I, I think the neighbors were kind of mentioned in the segment saying that, oh yeah, we recognize that house. It's the one that's across the street. We, we watched it burn. Yeah, yeah. That definitely. So they, they are interviewed again in the Cold Case Files episode segment. And uh, the what, at least one of the 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 wife at least, and she talks about how, oh Omar, I know who that is. That's the neighbors. There's a, a kid, you know, one of my na- neighbors has a kid named named Omar. And so the police got Omar. They talked to him. At first, he was reluctant to say anything, but eventually, they got him to admit who it was who was behind the tape. And they found out where this per- this kid lived. Uh, we know who Omar is, but we have no idea what the name of the kid who shot the tape is. Like that's completely confidential. And what happened was they were able to investigate things more thoroughly because the kid's garage ended up going up in flames. So they went over and checked out the garage, and they found some pretty disturbing stuff. They found evidence of, you know, animal bones and things like that. Uh, There was uh, things uh, that were pretty messed up, like uh, sacrificed animals, you know, evidence that animals have been tortured and killed. You know what I thought was funny about that that particular part? The investigator said, uh, talking about the burned-down garage, he said... We found evidence of, and then he kind of hesitates. He goes, I don't want to say rituals or anything like that, but it did kind of look like that. And it it almost made me wonder. It almost reminded me of the West Memphis Three, and it it, it almost made me wonder, like, after, well, no, let me finish what I'm saying here. It's like, after that that case, after West Memphis Three became such a, a well-known case. I wonder if that changed the kind of the dialogue and the thinking processes of uh, law enforcement in the country. Like maybe we shouldn't be so quick to jump to uh, their devil worshippers who need to go to jail for the rest of their life. You know, it almost kind of made me think in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. But the thing that really—I mean—that was pretty messed up and disturbing. The animal, the evidence of animal sacrifice and torture and all of that. But the one that made me chuckle, and it's one that they didn't even need to mention at all, because it, it really didn't lead to any kind of uh, evidence of guilt. <laughs> it was the oh, we also there, we also found a Freddy Krueger mask and 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 uh, and a Freddy Krueger glove. I'm like, so what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> it didn't even look like a Freddy Krueger mask. <laughs> no, it didn't. It was just, it was probably like a pretty shitty. Freddy Krueger mask. Maybe it was a knockoff Freddy Krueger. Uh, you know, it was a Teddy... Brueger. Uh, or Teddy Brueger. A <laughs> Teddy Brueger mask. <laughs> <laughs> the Kmart. The Kmart brand. 
but um, they also found these videotapes, and they showed them, and it actually showed how the kid was actually kind of pretty creative. I have to be honest, you know, for home movies, the kid actually knew how to shoot these videos fairly well. I've seen, I've seen worse production values from actual movies. <laughs> wow that were shot on video versus what this kid shot in his garage or out in this park. Uh, I, I would say, I would disagree with Mike's opinion on that one. I'd say that's a bit of a stretch to say that uh, the production was good. It, it, it's, 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 it's pretty good for home movie quality. And Man. what I mean by that is the kind of stuff that he did with the makeup effects on. Oh on well, yeah. Yeah. Like that. I, 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 yeah, I agree. Like he, he dresses up as Dracula at one point. I actually did find the arsonist video on YouTube, and they actually show him as Dracula, but the, his face is unblurred, so you can actually see what he looks like. Yeah. And yeah, he yeah, true. That's true. That's what I meant by the production quality. Okay, I wasn't talking about oh, it's a big but no. But I've seen like shot on shitty horror films that looked worse. To be perfectly honest. Damn, Mike, you must have seen some bad movies in your time. Oh, I have. I have. <laughs> um, but anyway. He's all talking about, you know, talking about how, you know, the devil and Satan and evil and all of this. And he was, he clearly was disturbed because that while he's dressed as this vampire, he's like basically uh, reenacting the murder of what looks like might be his father or something. So yeah, he, he made he made like this effigy to his father, and he like cut it. He, he mock like cut its head off, and yeah. And he talks like that in all of his fucking videos. Yeah. He, like he seriously, he needs a slap up to the backside of his head, fix that fucking <laughs> dumbass way he's talking. <sighs> fucking Beavis like over a here, dipshit. <laughs> um, uh, dipshit, the arsonist. But anyway, yeah, so, I mean, the, the videotapes, they're silly, but, I mean, some of them, you, they definitely do, do show that this, this kid was off his rocker. It was absolutely clearly evident that he was not sane. There was an age, there was an age I was when I was much younger where I was kind of fascinated with the occult to a certain extent. Before I really, before my parents, like, took me to church and, and scared the shit out of me with... Uh, demon possession and stuff like that. Before I knew about any of that, I did have a, a certain fascination. Did it with make it. you watch The Exorcist? No. Like I, I think that's that should be a requirement. Is that you really want your the mess your kids up and really want them to believe in demonic possession and be afraid of it? Show them The Exorcist. No, I, I did. I did see it later on in life, but no, like um, they, they would show a bunch of like propaganda videos in the church. They'd show like people like going to hell like like not getting saved and then getting in a car wreck and then they had like this depiction oh of hell and that sounds yeah it was bad uproariously kind of funny to me though because of just how tone deaf it would be well not only tone deaf but just did, did they just randomly go in like have like a normal uh uh sermon that has nothing to do with hell and and fire and brimstone and then Oh yeah, here's slides and all of this of what will happen, you know, if you do not accept Jesus Christ into your life, uh, you will burn for all of eternity. And here, here are here are some slides of what that will look like. <laughs> I don't know what the context was, like why they would show us this shit, but they they would, and um, 
But no, I remember like when I was a younger age, like I was really fascinated with uh, like video games like Doom. Like I loved Doom as a kid, like playing on the computer and like the satanic stuff and all that, like that evil stuff. Like I thought it was just uh, fascinating because I didn't know anything about it. I was yeah. young and naive. And, and and when you're, I think, well, for me anyways, because I was apparently a bad kid or something, I don't know. But, like, when you're uh, a certain age, like, like bad is good, you know, evil is cool, you know, like, blood and guts are cool. Um, well, to me, anyway. Um, I, well, I think, I think that, I mean, I, I feel that way about a lot of slasher films, especially if the effects are really well done. I appreciate that kind of stuff for the craftsmanship, the craftsmanship from the effects artists and things like that. Well, I just think on a very basic level, being like like a, a young boy at the time that I was raised, and and I guess being well, also a- you you were conditioned to stay away from that. You know, that kind of stuff was forbidden to you, so it was like the forbidden fruit. That's true. That's that, kind of what happened with that me had a lot of appeal. with horror films, and my parents didn't really let me watch very many of them until I got to a certain age, and then when I got to a certain age, I just got admittedly kind of obsessed with it. And watched every one that I could find. And it's my favorite genre of film. And a lot of the ways it's because of that, you know, it's I never really got to experience, you know, all of that. Like a lot of other kids were able to. Yeah, so that probably has a lot to do with it. So I, I kind of feel like when I see stuff like this kid, I'm, I'm like, I'm not looking at him like he's like public enemy number one, like a lot of people no, might, you know. No. But I, I that the stuff on video, if that was all he did... That would be rather harmless to me. Like, I mean, they, they would show that right. there's some kind of mental illness going on, but I, I would I would find that rather harmless. But when you combine that with the arson, then it's not harmless at all. Then it's causing millions of dollars in property damage and risking people's lives. There's a thing in your brain, you know, that... that like, I remember, for instance, I remember when I was like, seven years old like I went over to my aunt's house and she had a house that was on stilts meaning that it was like just raised up it was like a two-story house but the bottom story was just like like pillars there wasn't there was like there was no second floor it's it's weird but most people probably know what I'm talking about and underneath the house there was all this like there's like a little storage area and my aunt had this like box full of uh, cups and, and dishes and I would, I would often, like a fucking creep, I'd go over to their house when they weren't home, and I'd just hang out over there. Um, and one day I went over there when they weren't home, and I was just exploring, and I found this box full of like coffee mugs and glasses and stuff, and I just took it one by one, and just started throwing them on the ground and shattering them. Just one by one. And I just... I just wanted to do it, so I did it. I, I, there was no like consequences in my brain at that age or in that moment. Only, in, only after I was done shattering all these glasses was I like, did I feel like, man, maybe this is something I should not have just done. And I went home and I told my mom about it, and she was like, you know, what the hell, you know. And then when my aunt got home, like, you know, I had to go over there and tell her. And yeah, I mean, I just remember as a kid, like. I, I, re- I remember what it felt like to do something without thinking about the consequences at all and just do something because I want to do it. So it's almost like this this kid in this video, who granted was much older than I was when I shattered the... 
He was actually 19. Oh, oh damn, he was that yeah. old? Oh god. Yeah, apparently that's, that's okay. Yeah, see like that that thing in your brain that you get where it's like I shouldn't do this because this is just a fucked up thing to do. You know, a, a conscience or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he obviously didn't have that in place for him yeah. for him to set for him to feel like it was okay to do that. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager actually. Well, uh, we would go to there was this like um the subdivision that was under development in the back of my friend's house like you could walk through the woods and then there was this like subdivision it was just a bunch of kind of like what you saw in this video just about like the wooden frame and that was it and there was all these porta potties and man me and my friends loved dumping those porta potties over and even now i think back to that and i'm like man that was such a dick move on my part because those whoever you know the company is who owns those porta potties they're gonna have to like show up the next day they're gonna have to like pick the thing up. They're gonna have to take it back to their factory. They're they're gonna have to clean it out. You know, I just made a whole lot of problems for these people who did nothing wrong to deserve that shit. So like, I don't know. Like, I guess you 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 do stupid shit like that when you're younger sometimes. You know. Yeah, but um, this kid also, you know, he had a. Young adult, I guess, is a better way to put it. Yeah, I didn't realize he had. He had a motive, because and and we didn't hear anything about that in the unsolved mystery segment. But in the cold case files segment, you discover that there were these spray painted sort of things on the houses that were being burnt, saying things like uh, "No more new homes," uh, "Neighbors revolt." You know, it's this kind of thing where. It, it seemed like it was very childish, and it clearly was. And uh, I think he might have been a kid at the time when he did this stuff, but he was older when they finally arrested him. That's what I think happened. Because mm. remember, he was tried as a minor. So yeah. that that clearly had to be the case. Because if you were 19, I don't think you'd be tried as a minor. No. Um, but at least I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I could be wrong. No, but no. Anyway, once you once you pass eighteen, you're you're fucked. You're not getting you're not getting any minor treatment. Okay. It, the, right. What can happen though is you can be a minor and get charged as an adult. That can sometimes happen if it's yeah. an egregious enough crime. Well, yeah, that's that's what happened with the West Memphis Three. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, they then recovered another tape, which this was one that was particularly. Uh, a smoking gun, so to speak. I mean, he already had his voice on these tapes anyway. But, like, when he, there's this video where he's holding a torch that's on fire. And he says to the camera something like, You're next! You know, something like that. It's, it's like, I, I'm, I, th- I think that's exactly what it was. I'm, I'm looking it up again because I wrote it down. I want to make sure I have it correct. Because it was—it's very juvenile the way he—he he had to—he had to—you know—he could—he couldn't just leave it as just you know your typical, you know your house is next. No, he goes your house is next, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jesse Pinkman over here. You're <laughs> just like had to add the bitch there, didn't you? Like, like, like that really was gonna make people take you more seriously. Was the bitch part of it? Um, but yeah, uh, he was booked. He was put in the mental institution. I don't know what else has gone on with that kid. Uh, Omar 
was also sent to juvie hall and he's probably been released already but um yeah i mean the cold case file segment was interesting and, and i i thought it was definitely worth a watch for this particular discussion uh it's actually on ane but anyway you can actually watch uh, it free. yeah this is a pretty you know pretty memorable segment uh for you know the kids over the top uh dweeby narration and and for the fact that you know it is a pretty serious crime and he's lucky that he didn't kill anybody like in the cold case files there was somebody who was actually in the house one of the houses that he was burning and uh or at least he was alleged to have have started the fire in because authorities believe that he was responsible for all the 11 fires, understandably. So. But they only charged him for one, because yeah. quoting the guy, they said, we were focused more on rehabilitation than we were charging him mm-hmm. with these houses, which I thought, wow, only only uh, being a kid can you get off that easy. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, if this guy had been uh, of well, age Well, if he killed time, somebody, if, if there was somebody who was in a house and they got burned to death, then I don't think they would done would have done that with him. I really don't. That oh, yeah, probably like, not. Yeah, that probably, no. probably would have been a different circumstance you murdered altogether. somebody, that, that's it. All right, our next case we're going to be talking about is one that I picked and is a case of uh, Richard Minns. And this Dick Minns. Dick yeah, well, I'll probably be referring to him as Dick a lot uh, in this. In this, uh, well, he lives up to his name, that's for sure. Yes, this is from. Uh, you can find this on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, we almost forgot to mention this. Unsolved Mysteries is on fucking Hulu now. At least the first season. So they're striking. They're you know the. Uh, I almost called him Tom and Jerry. <laughs> John and Terry. <laughs> <laughs> John and Terry, old Tom and Jerry. That'd be the new nickname. That'd be the new nickname. Yeah, Tom and Jerry. Yeah, Tom and Jerry are just—they're striking more deals there left and right. Apparently, um, yeah, it's on Hulu. It was like very—it um, just kind of quietly made its way onto Hulu as well. It wasn't like this big announcement or anything. I don't think. If I, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if it ended up at Netflix. I, you know, because it's already on Amazon. But I mean, film rise content is on Netflix. So, you know, if they can get it on all platforms, I don't, I don't, you know, go for it, I guess. I mean, if they can, they probably won't, though, because Amazon is directly competing with Netflix. So I don't think that will happen. Yeah. But it being on Hulu is, is really good news for people. Yeah, because Amazon's trying to do the whole sports stuff um, as, as a... Uh, alt- well, I'm looking forward to that, but it's only Thursday Night Football, which are usually shitty games anyway. So, And I can already watch most of them on NBC, so... It's kind of disappointing. So this Richard Minns character, who's from uh, season four, episode twenty, four twenty man, light one up, light up a fat doobie, brother, <laughs> man. Wow, I, I, all right, I, I feel, all right, uh, Tommy I feel Chong. fucking embarrassed right now. <laughs> I just did that. That was that was awful. I, I am. That was actually a pretty good Tommy Chong impression, though. So. Uh, it, was, it wasn't really Tommy Chong. It was just more your generic hippie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pa- see, that's the Tommy Chong. Chom- Tommy. Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong sounds a lot like your generic hippie. Well, I think the generic hippie archetype was br- was born out of Tommy Chong. I think I think he created yeah. that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I was just making fun of the fact that, like, any time, like, for a lot of potheads, like, any time there's a chance for them to, like, 
Hey, yeah, man, get it? Weed, you know, because it's illegal, yeah, but I still do it because I'm such a lawbreaker, man. I'm not saying all potheads because, you know, there's some people who just... Well, it's not illegal in every state. Oh, and I can't wait for it to be legal completely so potheads can shut the fuck up and stop acting like they're in some <laughs> special clubhouse that no one else is in just because they fucking smoke some some reefer. I sound like such a narc right now. I, I sound like so unhip. Uh, but we have a lot of older listeners, so they're probably like clapping their hands together at the retirement home going, and I, I, I agree. Don't <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with people who smoke pot, but... You know, I, I there's nothing wrong with I, it. I get what you mean, though. I get what you mean. I mean, if people are bragging about it, I mean that is kind of a lame thing to brag about. Yeah, it's it's just, it's just a whole like not only do they brag about, it, but they're like proud of of it, like it's some like badge of honor or badge of like achievement. It's like, dude, you're 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 not cool. Like you're not. I mean, it's to me, it's just like it's like. Yeah, man, we're going to go get drunk tonight. We're going to drink some beer, man. Isn't that something? It's like, no, it's not anything special at all. You're kind of dumb. Anyway, getting back to Richard uh, Richard Minns here. Uh, back in the 70s, old Dick Minns was a tycoon with a young girlfriend, Barbara Petrosky. They were a glamorous presence on the Houston social scene. Minns was a charismatic, youthful-looking health club tycoon when they met on a Colorado ski slope. Barbara was a bright, beautiful California pre-med student and part-time model, 24 years his senior, or 24 years his junior. That'd be a little, that'd be a little <laughs> weird, wouldn't it? Hey, really into you, Richard, old Ricky boy. I might be 60, but I'm still full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> you know, it took me a really long time to figure out the whole 24 years his junior, 24 years his senior thing. I didn't know what the fuck that meant for the longest time, like, growing up. And then finally, it, it, it dawned on me what it meant. And I thought to myself, why the fuck couldn't they have just said she's 24 years younger than him? Well, you know, why do they yeah, gotta yeah, fancy, yeah. fancify everything up yeah. with, with shit like that, you know? Like, there's, there's certain... Uh -huh. There's certain things like that that they do, but anyway. But Barbara, she definitely, she was a part-time model, and she could have easily been a full-time model because she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's yeah, she's she, she looks good. Uh, d definitely back in the day, she looked good too. Um, yeah, I, well, she even looked uh, really good even when she was interviewed on the on the segment i thought anyway yeah she was cute i mean she was going for the more low-key kind of thing in the interview she wasn't all dolled up and stuff but yeah no she was still she was still a very very attractive woman it's weird that mike is feeling a girl more than i am on the unsolved mysteries that usually it's me like saying like she's so hot and mike's like yeah she's all right i think mike might well it, well, well i mean it's just I, I guess uh i don't know have you found romance mike no i haven't oh. it, it's just one of those things that her beauty, I thought, was pretty striking. And I, I noticed that from the moment I first saw the segment on some of the VHS ribs. So anyway, she's he's 24 years his junior. She's 24 years younger than him. Um, I mean, first off, when I hear that, kind of rings some bells in my head. Some of them are good bells. Some of them are bad bells. The good bells tell me that, hey, I can be old. And as long as I keep up with myself and have money, I can get a chick 24 years younger than me. So that makes me feel good. But what the bad bells that are ringing is, what the hell does this chick want with some dude that's 24 years older than her? So we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, I, I can see why you, you have certain feelings 
about Barbara. So their relationship went well until Min's wife showed up one day looking for him. Min's explained to Barbara that he and his <laughs> wife were separated and she accepted his explanation. He later bought an expensive townhouse for her, but the relationship became strained after Min's learned that Barbara was pregnant. That was kind of a buzzkill for him, apparently. He wanted her to get an abortion, and she refused. Eventually, Barbara ended the relationship, but Min's refused to accept that they were finished. Barbara took several pieces of furniture and jewelry that Min's had given her. Min's tried to get her to meet with him to explain himself. Um... She went to his hotel room and waited for him for several hours. When he finally did return, he was with another woman. The ball's on this guy. Barbara was furious and tried to leave. However, he convinced her to stay. A few minutes later, the police arrived and Minns had Barbara arrested for stealing these items, even though she insisted that they were gifts. He was able to use his connections to get a warrant issued I for her. I would have to say with this character, Barbara who th- takes on a uh, different name later on in her life of Janny Smith. I do feel that she's got... I don't know if it's a mental illness, but I do feel that there's something going on where she feels the need to have some kind of connection with someone, and maybe she's easily manipulated. Maybe that's what it could be, uh, whether whether it's mentally or emotionally. Because she was saying things like, well, even after all of this, I still loved him. And I'm like, I don't know how anybody could really do that shit after all that. He, he had you arrested. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second, what you're saying. Because I, I have known several, several women who've stayed with shitty guys in shitty situations. Yeah, and I, yeah know- I, I get that. But she didn't seem like she was the type of person who couldn't make it on her own she they couldn't. never dude it it, it 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 happens to every to every different kind of person where you don't, you don't you don't think that this person of all people you know would do that you know well, we You're also just... don't know some extra stuff there might have been some extra kind of there might have been some kind of abuse there might have been that he might have been sliding her the pipe in a very efficient pleasurable manner well, yeah, and then uh, also might have been, well, also might have been providing some uh, nice uh, funds. Remember, he was saying things like, I, I can get you in a-, a spot in medical school. Well, this is, this is, where, this is where I look at this, this woman in a different light than what I did was the paragraph that I just previously read. The moment that she left and she ended the relationship... That's fine. Okay, you know this guy's a dick. You know he's a piece of shit. Well, both literally in name and, and, you know, proverbially as well. This guy's an asshole. Why not just leave? Okay, the fact that she took furniture and jewelry that he had quote-unquote given her, that is what, that's where the whole kind of sketchiness comes in for me. I can see that, but for me personally, it's also like, if he did really give it to her, then why would she think that she can't take it with her? He gave it uh, to her. Because that's that's what it, usually a gift in that situation is as long as 
it's kind of like a control thing in a way. It's like, I gave you all this stuff, now you owe me in these various ways. And, and what- Well, yeah, that was already kind of established. Like, there there was a whole, when he was, uh, when he gave her the townhouse and part of that, that was another way for To pacify, to right, exactly. So so that's, that's what, these gifts are, stay with me, uh, as long as you're with me, you get to have these kind of gifts. And I, a lot of times in these kind of situations, uh, and I've known people like this, they, you know, they just want to get the fuck out. They don't care about any material possessions. Yeah. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just want out, and they just leave. But the fact... Well, maybe she was just pissed. Well, the fact that she went that extra mile to get movers, to because in the, in the segment they actually show, like, a moving team, and she's like, no, take this, take this, take this. That's where I'm like, okay, this bitch isn't above reproach either, because she's she's got an eye for the finer things in life, too. Yeah, I'm not going to call her uh, a bitch, but I, I'm definitely going to say, you know, she does have uh, a desire for the finer things in life. And that's why she probably dated this man and, and you know, was hanging around with him anyway. Yeah, so so it's obviously a toxic... She doesn't want that lifestyle to end. Yeah, it's obviously a toxic relationship. And, you know, so so because of this guy's status and his wealth and who he is he was able to get you know he, he clearly had the police department in his back pocket because he was able to get a warrant issued for her and he was also able to get a, an assault charge levied against her because when she went to the hotel room uh, and started freaking out on him she hit him with her purse so that was assault like that mm-hmm. that, that term is used yeah. way loosely in this situation you get hit with a purse and it's assault you fucking yeah. pussy you know really oh she assaulted me yeah. she hit me with her purse it, you know like god this yeah. guy has no well cojones. <laughs> this this guy you know he definitely like i said earlier he definitely lives up to his nickname and uh the actor they had they casted to play this guy did a great job playing this just sleazy douchebag um Actually, all of the acting, all, all of the performances in this particular segment I thought were superb. And I thought, for the most part, this is one of the best acted segments I had seen and one of the best looking and edited and directed segments. It was one of the longer segments, too, because I think it was like originally a two-parter. Yeah, it is a quite a long segment, and yeah, the acting was really good in it, um, it, it for everybody's part. I mean, that, that's what, just what made this an overall great tale. And I and I also what I like about this one is that um, you know there, there wasn't anything too tragic as as far as like to leave you with that like you know pit in the your stomach you know kind of feeling it's more of just an, a case of uh, intrigue and the the how the style of this episode how it was shot it's almost like film noir like in a sense so if you can go on Amazon Prime season four episode twenty and check it out I would suggest you do that so anyway four hours later. After she was arrested, a detective visited her in jail. He had a document written by Minns that he wanted her to sign. If she would sign it, she would be released. The document stated that she had never met Minns, never dated him, and was not carrying his child. Wow. She refused to sign it. She was charged with felony grand theft and aggravated assault because she had slapped Minns with her purse. 36 hours later, she miscarried. I mean, I mean, like, just to, if that doesn't add insult to injury, I mean, like, I don't know, that's just so, like, this sounds like a movie, you know, but it really happened. She even said that. Yeah, she well, even she said even that. she even said that. 
She even said so that herself. So she was eventually released, but Minns continued to harass and stalk her. On April 17, 1980, two detectives served her with a search warrant. They searched her apartment and brought Minns in. He pointed out several pieces of furniture and other items that, claimed, that he claimed were his. These items were put into storage. Again, he tried to have her sign the papers that stated that she would not sue him. Again... See, he didn't even use the items. He didn't even need those items. As, I mean, he put them in storage. That's the point, though. I mean, the fact that yeah, they were they were his, you know, and she... she it, yeah, I know, but it's it's rather petty. Oh, yeah. What he, well, this what guy's a piece doing. of shit. I mean... But yeah. that's bes- beside the fact that she, she could have just left the shit. I don't know. What do you guys think? Was she right in, in taking that stuff and, you know, because they were gifts that he said that she could have? Or was she being a little, you know, kind of want these nice pieces of jewelry that he gave me and, uh, you know, screw him. I'm, I'm taking them and uh, kind of lining my own pockets with it. You know, I don't care. Most people wouldn't go to the lengths that Richard went, though, even if a relationship had ended like this. Most people, w- most, like- most people would if they had the power to, but most people know that well, they're just little pissants as far as the law is concerned, and the law would not do a damn thing to well, help them even out. even if I had the power to do that, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I would. Because I'm not a fucking asshole. I would. Like Richard Minns is. I would. Why? Do, well... If I don't need those items, if, if, I, if I'm already loaded with cash, okay... I'm already set for life. Oh, okay. I don't need to screw over this lady, you know, that I had a relationship with because over some couches and some jewelry. I didn't know I don't need to I do didn't that. know I was loaded with cash in this scenario. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe in that case I don't know, maybe in that case I wouldn't. How else are you going to have the power? <laughs> You're not going to have the power without the money. That's true. I just think I just think about like like okay, for instance, like if you let somebody borrow something and, and yeah. which I've done many times. You let somebody borrow something, and then you never see that thing again. Well, that's different. That's borrowing. The, the, you know, there's a difference between borrowing something and being gifted something. Well, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, like, the amount of times I've let people borrow something, and then I never get it back, and they say that they either lost it or this, that, and the other. I just think, I just thought to myself, how great would it be? Because, I mean, this is so rare that, that somebody takes something from you, and you're able to like go to their house with police escort and be like, hey, give me my shit back, and you actually get it back. If it's something I really thought was valuable to me, then yeah, I'd go through that. I, if I had the ability to do that, I would do that. But if it's like just like some silverware or, or some power tool I rarely ever use... Oh, well, this wasn't, this wasn't silverware and really power matter. tools. This was furniture and jewelry. I mean, this is valuable. Well, so. even if it was furniture and jewelry, if, I, if you could get furniture... Jewelry, you know, you can get that too. Dude, these people don't stay rich by giving shit away and then letting people have it. That's not how they stay rich. Oh, come on. This guy This guy has, has a, a sustained amount of income through his uh, health clubs. He gave away half of it to his wife, which is his fault because he was having an affair. Yeah, well, people stay rich. They keep their wealth by being stingy. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's how rich people not stay everyone, rich. Not everyone, and not everybody stays rich like that. There are other people who are rich who aren't stingy misers. Well, mo- most of them are, though. I mean, yeah, you can look at Bill Gates and, you know, people like that who are very philan- philanthropic, you know, and giving. Um, but those people have almost, I mean, they have almost more money than they, they could ever know what to do with. So at that point, if you aren't uh, if you aren't donating and helping people out, then you're kind of a dick as far as, like, you know. Well, also, I mean, people who who are 
who are driven to do things like that and are, are trying to make all this money, there, there's a certain mindset with a lot of these individuals. And, and I, I feel it's very sociopathic. They don't really, they, they don't see the right and wrong. They just see right all the time. Oh, this is the wrong thing to do. But if it helps me maintain my uh, uh, cash flow, if it helps me uh, not be able to continue my lifestyle, uh, it's right to me. You know, they, they feel like they're owed something. You know, these, these are people who are, you know, really, you know, the type of type A personality type people. Not everybody with a type A personality is a sociopath or like Dick Mins, but there's a lot of people who have personalities like that that are exactly like Dick Mins. I, I forgot for a second that his name was is that Richard is actually Dick, and I just thought you were calling him like insult and then last name like no. Dick Dick Mins, and I was like that's kind of funny, and I was like oh wait that's his actual name. Uh, so anyway, he wanted her to sign that piece of paper again, and she refused to sign it. So on October twentieth, nineteen eighty. Uh, Barbara was shot four times in the back while parked in a Houston donut shop lot. <laughs> I almost thought that sentence said, uh, while parked in a Houston donut shop, LOL. <laughs> Barbara was shot four times in the back while parked in a Houston donut shop, LOL. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it said lot, not, not LOL. The bullets collapsed her lungs and severed her spinal cord, leaving her paralyzed from the chest down. Despite her injuries, she remained conscious and claimed that Minns was responsible. Nathaniel Ivory and Patrick Steen were arrested within minutes of the shooting and charged with attempted murder. They denied Barbara's claims that Minns had hired them to shoot her. However, a former bodyguard of Minns claimed that one month earlier, a contract had been put out on Barbara's life. Authorities determined that the car used in the shooting belonged to Robert Jess Anderson. Ivory and Steen later identified Anderson as the person who had hired them to kill Barbara. Men's private detective Dudley Bell was also connected to the shooting after his ex-wife gave police a note written by Bell on Men's hotel guest stationery. He just sounds like a dirty P.I. Dudley Bell. Dudley Bell. Yeah. Dudley do wrong. The note, <laughs> the note had a list of guns owned by Anderson that were used in the shooting. Eight days after the shooting, Anderson was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Anderson agreed to cooperate with authorities. He confirmed that Dudley Bell had hired him and the other two men to commit the shooting. However, Bell and Mims were not indicted in the case. Surprisingly, Mims was never questioned about the attempted murder case. Because he's rich and he's got power! And he's got the fucking police department in his back pocket! Uh, sorry about that. Um... <laughs> Uh, surprisingly, Mins was never questioned in the attempted murder case. He continued to press the theft case against Barbara. Geez, still on that theft shit. Uh, even even I will admit that it's getting a little. Uh, uh, well, yeah, because that's the whole thing with them. You know, you took something away from me. I'm going to make you pay. Yeah. You know, he was. He already had this really uh, bad mindset. He was not in the right frame of mind anyway. After. He lost his wife, he lost half his fortune, and now he lost Barbara. And he's the type of personality and the type of guy who just, if he loses something like that, he's not going to let it go. Yeah, so... Um, 
He continued to press the theft case against Barbara. She appeared in court in November of 1980. Shockingly, Mims claimed that her attorney... Mims. Did I say Mims? Yeah. Uh, shockingly, Mins. What a weird fucking last name, anyway. M I N N S. Mins. Like, what the fuck? Shockingly, Mins claimed that her. That. Wait. Oh. Sh- Mins claimed that her attorney had set the shooting. Uh, dude, what the fuck is this sentence? Min- Richard Mins claimed that her attorney, I guess uh, Barbara's attorney, had set up the shooting as a publicity stunt. Barbara never got to testify regarding the theft case. It was later dropped due to a technicality involving the search warrant. In March of 1981, Ivory and Steen were convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to 35 years in prison. God, talk about these these fucking Beavis and Butthead here, these two fall guys, these two hired, hired toughs off the street. I mean, they got it the worst. You know, that they were probably promised a couple grand each. And they went out to try to kill somebody, and uh, you know, I mean, just like, geez, I don't feel. No, bad I don't feel for bad them. for. They, they tried to. I kill don't feel somebody. bad for them either, but it's just like, like, talk about dumb criminals. Like, I mean, it's like you, you got this big, yeah. you know, uh, kingpin at the top, and and he's not going to do any time, and you, you know, the hoods, you know, the 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 street toughs, they're the ones who have to take the fall for everything. Well, thinking about it, they're the ones that need the money the most. So they're willing to do whatever it takes to make that money for their drug habit or for, you know, other other things. It might not be drugs. It might just be that's how they make a living. There's no other way for them to make any money. It's like you, you hear about this shit and you think that maybe it might be true. Like maybe maybe life does work like this where rich people get to do whatever they want. And like if they want to have someone killed... It can happen, and, and, and it never be tied back to them. I think or- it depends on the person, the, the person's influence, and it depends on a lot of other things. And it's also a lot harder nowadays to do this kind of stuff with forensics and all this other stuff and you know all these other ways of surveillance and people with their cell phones and all this other thing, you know, all this other kind of stuff. You know, it's a little bit harder to do that kind of thing. Uh, so Ivory and Steen were convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to 35 years in prison. A year later, Barbara filed a wrongful injury suit against Men's Bell, Anderson, Steen, and Ivory. Uh, however, before depositions could begin, Men's fled the country and has been in hiding ever since. Little bitch. Anderson was found guilty of soliciting a murder in 1984. Bell was also found guilty of soliciting a murder in 1987 after one of his employees testified against him. Both were sentenced to 38 years in prison. However, in 1991, Bell was released on parole. A jury... He only served like four years. Christ, man. Like, fuck, Mike. We gotta get rich off this podcast, bro. Dude, (laughs) think about it. All those, all those internet trolls that have like given you shit over the years, just have them all taken out in one fell swoop. If this podcast gets big enough, guys, listen out there. Just, just between you and me, just come in close to your speaker, guys. If you can just give us like a lot of money, I'm talking like thousands of dollars, like take out second mortgages, whatever you got to do. If you can make me and Mike wealthy, we, we will, we will. Uh, We'll take care of you. Put it that way. If you if you got problems in your life, we'll make those problems disappear in a not so legal means. Maybe. 
Don't quote us on any of that. I said none of this. And thank God there's no evidence I said any of this shit. Moving on. I, I don't know what Josh is talking about. No, I'm high on several different <laughs> substances right now. Uh, I don't even know if I'm doing a podcast right now. I could be, uh, like, at my parents' house for all I know. I don't know where I'm at. Um, a jury has since ordered Mins to pay Barbara $58 million for wrongful injury. You would think that'd be a great thing until later on. Mins is wanted for questioning in the attempted murder of Barbara Petrosky. The injuries she suffered left her bound to a wheelchair, but still hot. Fearful for her life after the shooting, Barbara changed her name to Jan uh, Janie Smith. And then Un Unsolved Mysteries Wikia put that shit on blast on the internet like a bunch of dicks. So now everyone knows her name is Janie Smith. Well, uh, well, that's what it said on Unsolved Mysteries anyway, right? No. No, they never said that. I thought they did. Not to my knowledge, they didn't. It said she changed her name to Barbara, and then it was a different last name because she'd gotten remarried to that guy who uh, uh, she worked I, I with. Thought, I thought it showed her change her name, too, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, I just watched the segment before we did this episode. Well, I did, too. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. So Anyway, the uh, fearful for her life, she changed her name to Jane Smith. Uh, in uh, 1983, she began rehabilitation with Dr. Gerald Petrovsky, who was experimenting with a device that allows... Whose name sounds so... so similar to her original last name i i, I it was one it's, of those things where it's, I got it's shockingly confused. yeah it's yeah. shockingly similar um it allows a paralyzed person to walk independently it's she now cool. yeah oh it's, it's yeah it's awesome if it you know works like better than they had it working on the what they showed but i mean and she know. also works as a nurse with people who are paralyzed at the uh, rehab facility yeah. Uh, on uh, November 30th, 1991, she and Dr. Petrovsky were uh, married. I don't uh, want to be that, you know, I'm going to be that guy. He's not a very, he's not a looker. But, you know, he, he's a guy who has money and he, he has, uh, you know, he does a lot of good things for people. And, and so, you know, that that's that's not really something that means that, a whole lot. But he does remind me of, like, Andre the Giant in a lot of ways. So, I mean, he's not really a looker, but hey, you know. Yeah, you just I, I were just, that guy. But, you know, it kind of shows you where her priorities still are. Hey, I'm yeah. going to marry a doctor. That, that's, what I was, that's what I was going for. I mean, yeah, you could make the case that, well, this guy, you know. Helped her out a lot. Helped her out in blah, blah, blah. But it's like, come on. You know that MD at the end of his name really was what sealed the deal for her. And I mean, in her situation, you know, fair enough, because now you're bound to a wheelchair. You have all these other fucking medical expenses you got to think about and all these other. And are you going to be able to get a job? Like, you can't model. You can't do a lot of this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're, like, super resourceful, like, maybe you could, like, do something. But, uh, I mean, yeah, she's. She's probably thinking stability, you know, at that point. So it probably uh, didn't matter. The, the looks good for her. Hey, whatever. I mean, the doctor could have easily said no, but you know, he didn't. So yeah, I uh, I'd... <laughs> I could say some like really fucking like messed up stuff that I'm thinking in my head right now, but uh, I'm like wondering if I should say it or not. Um... <laughs> Let's if, okay. If I'll just put it that, if, ever, if ever that comes in your head, I would probably recommend don't say. Okay, I'll just put it like I'll it. just put it like this, guys, because this is this is what I, just, like my own curiosity. This is what I I'll say. I feel like it's easier for a guy to marry and be with a paralyzed 
from the chest down woman and be able to have their needs met rather than a woman being married to a guy in a wheelchair paralyzed from the chest down and having their needs met. Get, get, kind of get what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you know, well, you know, you're paralyzed, but that doesn't mean we still can't, uh, you know. But if it was like a guy in a wheelchair and, a, and the woman wasn't. But, 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 but she's still paralyzed. Like, she can't Yeah, well, well, I'm saying, though, that's the, the, kind of the fucked up part. Like, he doesn't care, you know. Like, he's, he's still able to do his thing. That is pretty. I, it's a fucked up thought. I'm sorry. I don't mean anything <laughs> bad by it, but I'm just thinking in my head, like the doctor's thinking, like, well, she might be paralyzed, but I can still, uh, you know, that 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 doesn't really need to do anything down there. It's just, it is what it is. It's not like you know, with a guy where things have to happen, blood has to be flowing, etc. I know, G- guys, you don't come to this podcast expecting uh, fucking PBS. Uh, this American Life with Ira Glass or anything like that, okay? You know coming into this that there's some fucked up shit that gets talked about and we're not the most intelligent people in the world and you knew that coming in so I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear shit. You might have been thinking it. Maybe you weren't. You probably weren't, but you might have been. And I, I just said it. Isn't that why you Isn't that why you people elected Donald Trump? He says what's on his mind. Oh, that's what I'm doing. He's... Josh is gone. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so okay. So as the, the results from this case, um, Mims was captured. Apparently, Mims. Oh, sorry, I called him Mims again. <laughs> In July of 1994, Richard Mims, age 64, was arrested at the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport on suspicion of obtaining several passports with fraudulent information and names. He received a four-month sentence and fined $100,000. Which is chump change for him. That is a slap on the dick. That's nothing. Or, or wrist, whatever the saying is. No, it, fit, it, it fits. His name is Dick. Oh, so yeah. It's a, it's oh, yeah. That's, that's right. You know? Men's has never been charged in the attempted murder of Petrosky, although police have said that they believe he was involved, but they're obviously not going to do anything. And she did win the $58 million civil judgment against Mins, but it was dismissed. Yes, the $58 million civil judgment was dismissed. Now, I think civil judgments, they don't really mean as much, right? I mean, it's, no. it's kind of like... But also, he might he doesn't even have $58 million anymore. I mean, they said he, his fortune was like... I, I was probably around like twelve million or something. Maybe he did have more money than that, but they said he was a millionaire. But it seemed like he was like severely damaged in terms of his finances by the divorce with his wife. They said well, like half of what he had. So if he had six million left, that means he had a twelve million. Twelve million. So it seemed like fifty-eight million dollars wasn't even realistic. He didn't even even have that amount of money. Well, I mean, now, too, in, in 2017, this guy would be pushing 90 years old, too, so, I mean, he, he may not even be alive anymore, which would be a good thing, in yeah. my opinion, because he doesn't sound like a very redeeming one individual. One less dick yeah, one, in the world. Yeah, one less dick. Exactly. So, that was that case. A great case. You should totally go watch it. Now, let's move on to our segment, uh, News of the Bazaar. This is where we talk about bizarre news. Um, which, which one should we do first, Mike? What do you think? I'll, I'll, uh... Yeah, you lead us off with something. Um, how about... Hmm. 
Should we start out? Because we started out with this kind of clickbaity sort of stuff. Maybe we should continue that. Um, here we have a Dallas woman who was guilty of buttocks injection that killed her client. Yes, you heard that correctly. This woman was found guilty of butt injections that killed their client. And you should a see her face. A jury has found a Dallas salon worker guilty of murder and the death of a woman who was injected in the buttocks. I like how they say buttocks. Come on, just say butt. Come on. Who, who says buttocks? Who's like my gluteus maximus? Like, like someone's going to read it, and, and if they had said butt, they would like like throw their newspaper on the coffee table and be like, this is outrageous. I can't believe a paper of this standard would quote such a horrible word, but that is so improper. <laughs> All right, Richard Nixon. All right. Oh, there he is again. That's weird. <laughs> Tricky dicky. Uh, so, back. yeah, she was guilty of murder and the death of a woman who was injected in the butt, in the ass, with industrial-grade silicone as part of an illegal cosmetic procedure. Yeah, the picture is is great. She's she, it looks like she's posing for a selfie. She's her yeah, legs she's are doing all the, she's, she's doing the duck face. She looks like in the picture. She looks like she's going, mm-hmm, child. Like she's let just me take like, a selfie. And she's shaved her eyebrows, and they're all painted on. So uh, this undated file photo provided by the Dallas County Sheriff's Department shows salon worker Denise Ross, who is the one that was convicted of this crime. A Dallas salon worker was found guilty Tuesday of murder and the death of a woman injected in the ass with industrial-grade silicone during an illegal cosmetic procedure. Dennis Denise Wee Wee Ross! (laughs) (laughs) That is in this article, folks. That is her alias, Denise Wee Wee Ross. What kind of fucking nickname is that? (laughs) I think this is just... What are you, a toddler? (laughs) This has just come full circle from the VHS troll group back in the day. Uh, by those fuckers, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Denise Wee Wee Ross. Yes. So Denise Wee Wee Ross. How could you even take if you were the, the, the guy investigating the case? How could you take this shit seriously? Be like, okay, Denise Wee Wee Ross. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Wee wee! So Denise Wee Wee Ross was found guilty after the Dallas County jury deliberated over a course of two days. The 45-year-old cosmetician was also found guilty of practicing medicine without a license. Prosecutors said Ross injected the silicone into Waikishia Reed's butt to give her what the salon called the wee wee booty. Oh my god. Uh, I don't... I don't want wee-wee anywhere near my booty. Uh, if that happens, you're either messed up in your downstairs configuration or you're, or you're prison. Or you're, yeah, that's, yeah, very true, very true there with the R. Kelly thing, yes. The compound circulated through the 34-year-old woman's lungs, probably causing the 34-year-old client to difficulty breathing, says Dr. Stephen Lenfest, who performed the autopsy on Reed. She was found dead at the salon early one morning in 2015, having been dead for four to eight hours, Lenfest testified. Defense attorney Heath Harris said that he and Ross never denied giving illegal injections at the time of Reed's death. But Harris said prosecutors had not proved that Ross had given Reed her injections. 
a trial moved to punishment phase Tuesday afternoon. Ross phases up to life in prison. Really what they should have done is taken the same synthetic compounds that she injected into this woman's ass and injected it into her ass. That should have been the... Or maybe they should have Maybe they should have injected some uh, intelligence into her brain or something. Well, th- that wouldn't again, be a punishment. It's too late for that. It's true. The trial, you know, so they moved to the punishment phase. According to trial testimony, Reed had been giving, had given illegal injections for more than three years in Dallas, telling customers they were getting saline or hydrogel injections. It reminds me of some of the shit I saw on My Strange Addiction, a show on TLC, and people injecting, like, uh, what is it, like, oil and stuff into their ass. Like cooking oh my oil. God. So according to trial testimony, uh, that she had been telling them lies. And so Jimmy Joe Alicia Clark also gave the silicone injections to Reed, who died of of a pulmonary embolism. However, Clark's murder charge was changed to manslaughter in return for her testimony against Clark. What is up with these nicknames for all these, like Jimmy Joe Alicia Clark? That's one person, yeah. by the way. Is it a guy whose nickname is Alicia? Like, is he a transvestite? Like, what? <laughs> the conviction of Ross, but it says, uh, yeah, the one it says also, it doesn't seem like the, oh, a return for her testimony. So it's a no, but no, return. Well, yeah. I, I don't. Mike, are you having a stroke no, right now? No, it's just kind of confusing with the way that the things are worded here. I'm not used to somebody who is a woman be named Jimmy Joe <laughs> Clark. Well, we're broadening your horizons here, Mike. <laughs> the conviction of Ross came on the same day that a Florida judge imposed a Florida judge yeah, imposed a 10 year prison sentence on a South Florida woman who performed illegal buttocks enhancements, injecting her clients with toxic materials, including tire sealant and super glue which caused one woman's death. God damn. What what has Iggy Azalea and J-Lo and all this shit about big booties, what has this done to our society where people would want to, like, they want an ass, a big ass, so bad? I mean, I mean, yeah, you can blame society for this, you know? I mean, that that's uh, in, in all the music and everything, all the popular music now, it's all about, you know... Yeah, because my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hun. Well, it's all about big asses and having big booties and booty and this, that, and the other, and it's just like, yeah, that's one aspect of, uh, for me, that's one aspect I find attractive of, like, the whole package, you know? It's not everything. And I certainly wouldn't want somebody, like, dying over that stuff or even getting an injection. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess they you do it with your, they've been doing it with breast implants and stuff, but, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's this, to me it sounds like you get what you pay for and really this person's death is a testament to that you get what you pay for you try to do something on the cheap like a, a ma- like well not a major medical procedure but a cosmetic procedure like this you you try to skimp out and do it on the cheap and uh, this is what happens you die cuz so the 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 person who was convicted uh, in Florida is a 36 year old named O'Neill Ron Morris and was sentenced sentence Monday in Broward County Court. She pleaded no contest to last month to manslaughter and practicing medicine without a license. 
A woman died from complications related to the injections. The Food and Drug Administration has approved the use of soft tissue fillers, injectable implants, dermal fillers, and wrinkle fillers to fill out faces, but the use on buttocks is not approved. But it's okay to inject it into your face. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's weird. Yeah, because there's like a lot more nerves and delicate shit going on in your face, but your butt's just fat, essentially. That's bizarre. That is, that is some bizarre news. Um, so I guess getting the wee-wee booty, uh, at the end of the day, really, it, uh, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. Crack, get it? Butt crack? All right, moving on to our next segment here. I'm running out of time. I gotta, I gotta head out soon. Researchers shut down artificial intelligence that invented its own language. <laughs> it's pretty fucking scary. Uh, it. An artificial, yeah, an artificial intelligence system being developed at Facebook has created its own language. It developed a system of code words to communicate more efficiently. Researchers shut down the system when they realized that artificial intelligence was no longer using English. I mean, look at the the robot they have on display here. It's wearing fucking sunglasses. <laughs> it, it is wearing sunglasses, and it does look pissed off. Um, so it's. It's just like the Terminator. The observations made at Facebook are the latest in a long line of similar cases. In each instance, an artificial intelligence being monitored by humans has diverged from its training in English to, to develop its own language. The resulting phrases appear to be nonsensical gibberish to humans, but contain semantic meaning when interpreted by artificial intelligence I agents. I it saying in, in its own language, Fuck you, asshole. So, as uh, Fast Code Design reports, Facebook's researchers recently noticed its new AI had given up on English. The advanced system is capable of negotiating with other AI agents so it can come to conclusions on how to proceed. The agents began to communicate using phrases that seem unintelligible at first, but actually represent the task at hand. In one exchange illustrated by the company, the two negotiating bots, named Bob and Alice, used their own language to complete their exchange. Bob started by saying, I can, I, I, everything else, to which Alice responded, balls have zero to me, to me, to me. <laughs> the rest of the conversation was formed from very... What the fuck? The rest of the conversation was formed from variations of these sentences. Yeah, we got butts, we got balls. Butts and balls. That's all you need for a good podcast of our caliber, at least. Uh, while it appears to be nonsense, the repetitions of phrases like I and to me reflect how the AI operates. The researchers believe it shows the two bots working out how many of each item they should take. Bob's later statements, such as I, 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 can, I, I, everything else, indicate how it uses language to offer more items to Alice. When, interpret when interpreted like this, the phrases appear more logical than comparable English phrases that... God damn it. When interpreted like this, the phrases appear more logical than comparable English phrases like, quote, all have three and you have everything else. So, the AI apparently realized that the rich expression of English phrases wasn't required for the scenario. Modern artificial intelligence operates on a reward principle where they expect following a sudden course of action to give them a quote-unquote benefit. 
In this instance, there was no reward for continuing to use English, so they built a more efficient solution instead. Quote, agents will drift off from understandable language and invent code words for themselves, end quote. Fast Code Design reports Facebook artificial intelligence re researcher Drav Batra said, quote, like if I say the five times, you interpret, you interpret that to mean I want five copies of this item. This isn't so different from the way communities of humans create shorthands, end quote. Artificial developers at other companies have observed a similar use of quote-unquote shorthands to simplify communication. At OpenAI, the artificial intelligence lab founded by Elon Musk, an experiment succeeded in letting AI bots learn their own languages. In, in, separate, in a separate case, Google recently improved its translate service by adding a neural network. The system is now capable of translating much more efficiently, including between language pairs that it hasn't been explicitly taught. The success rate of the network surprised Google's team. Its researchers found the AI had silently written its own language that tailored specifically to the task of translating sentences. If artificial intelligence invented languages had become widespread, um, or if it becomes widespread, they could pose a problem when developing and adopting neural networks. There's not yet enough evidence to determine whether they present a threat that could enable machines to overrule their operators. <laughs> they do make artificial intelligence development more difficult, though, as humans cannot understand the overwhelmingly logical uh, nature of the languages. While they appear nonsensical, the results observed by teams such as Google Translate indicate they actually represent the most efficient solution to major problems. So is Google going to use an artificial intelligence to implement their new uh, bogus uh, safe space uh, on, uh, online terrorism prevention service that they're going to be doing pretty soon on YouTube? Which is actually pretty scary because they're all like, oh, well, even if your content is not really violating any of our terms of service, if some of our uh, AI or some of our other people who we... Uh, give a job to look at these videos, deem that it is offensive, then we will basically, in a, in a certain way, censor it by putting it behind some other type of wall. Yeah. They're doing that shit recently, which is pretty fucked up. Wait, what are and, they doing? Uh, they're going to start censoring a lot of shit. Like, if uh, there's videos and stuff like that that have controversial content in them, they're going to make it harder to find them, harder to search... Uh, harder to be able to locate them. They're going to be put behind a, a sort of like a wall of sorts that you can get through, but it's still a way of separating a lot of this content. And uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty. Uh, I don't know if scary is the right word, but it's 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 not really something you want to hear. Regards to YouTube or Google, it, it shows that they're really becoming like extremely politically correct to the point where they're willing to violate and uh, pacify, I don't know if pacify is the right word, but they're willing to violate and contain free speech. So it sounds like the whole net neutrality thing is a losing uh, battle there, because that was the whole net... Well, I mean, that, that I think they still might have been winning that. The problem with YouTube is this, re this fairly recent uh, bogus article by the Wall Street Journal. It was a hit piece trying to say that you know, Google was putting ads on racist videos, and and there's been proof that's shown that the proof that they were providing was 
kind of photoshopped, but there were evidence of there were ads on certain videos. But because the Wall Street Journal released his hit piece, uh, a lot of advertisers left YouTube. And so in order to try to, in a desperate ploy to get these advertisers back, they're kowtowing to their demands. And, and now they're going one step further with this new policy that they're going to be implementing. So, you know, Google owns YouTube, so I wouldn't be surprised if they try to do some AI thing to, you know, monitor this kind of stuff. So it does actually tie into this discussion. Um, I don't trust AIs or these kind of things because I think they make too many mistakes. But anyway, I mean, the whole idea with machines uh, being able to speak their own language, I mean, that is that is terrifying. And I, I love how it's kind of overlooked by the Digital Journal. I mean, there's not yet enough evidence to determine whether they present a threat that could enable machines to overrule their operators. But, you know, it's just, just communicating with each other. And why do you think they stopped it? Why do you think Facebook and these other people were like, uh, no. Why do you think they stopped the AI at that point? Because they knew that it could quickly uh, go into that type of scenario. <laughs> it's been... learning! It's learning! I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the HAL 9000... Uh, no he got internet a little, for you, Dave. He got a little butt hurt, you know. I mean, which is something that robots don't typically do. Um... But yeah, no, I mean, you know, that's great. You know, develop your own fucking language and then realize that humans aren't really necessary and we're not efficient or logical. So, uh, you know, mechanize your armies against us and, you know, then... All right, on that note, I think that's the end of the podcast, guys. We're clocking in almost two hours. Holy shit. I didn't think we'd get, get a, as much material out of this as we did, but uh, that's cool. So I hope you enjoyed this back to back to uh, business as usual episode because uh, we did we had like a string of like six or seven episodes that were unique in some way or another, whether it was me doing it solo or having a special guest on or an anniversary or forbidden segments. This, this one's back to uh, the classics. So... Uh, for me and Mike, I bid you... Oh, shit, I didn't plug anything. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash uncoveringunexplainedmysteries. Uh, you'll get the podcast early, amongst many other t uh, perks I can't name right now because I don't have enough time. Uh, if you want to join our Facebook group, you should totally do that. It's a lively discussion with people who like mysteries, uh, and they like us, maybe. I don't know. Uh, probably more so for the mysteries, though. That is uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries on Facebook. Just look, search for the groups. I'm not going to tell you how to do everything, you dingus. You figure out how to do it. You can also become a fan of us on uh, Facebook by uh, facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, pretty much anything having to do with us is uncovering unexplained mysteries. We even have a YouTube channel that we never talk about because we don't, uh, it's just a bunch of old episodes from the podcast. There's no uh, new content on there yet. It's kind of a pain in the ass. We need to hire an assistant for some of this shit, I swear to God. Um, you can find Mike on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash OCP Communications. He reviews movies and many other things. You can find me on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Dancing with Ghosts. Um, what did I recently cover? Oh, I did, recently did a, a, a skit about the healthcare industry where I was doing some acting and some funny shit, and I dressed up like the devil. And uh, if you want to see any of that, go to, go to my YouTube channel. And, uh, yeah, so until next week, guys, uh, see ya. See ya.
What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, if you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD and I will mail it out to you. But uh, yeah, it's out now and it is it is finished and it's uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. Uh, music is sold online or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you. Take a little cut here. I gotta take a piss. 5034. Alrighty, welcome <laughs> back to 93.4 the Glory Hole. My name is Josh Cannon and uh this is my host, co-host Mike Brown. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to Brown Town so... tonight. <laughs> Ooh. Sexy. So I guess your evacuation was complete there? Yes, sir. Evacuation complete. <laughs> I was trying to make a reference to Austin Powers. You remember that hilarious scene where he gets out of uh, the cryo and then he's like using the restroom. He's taking a piss and it, and it just like keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So like evacuation, come, come, come. <laughs> that movie, that movie, like beat for beat, is some of the like just constant comedic gold. Well, yeah, the first one. The first one, yeah. That, the second one has its moments. Uh, I like it, but I don't love it as much as the first one. And the third film is average at best. Yeah, when, when they when they started shoehorning uh, Beyonce into it, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, I don't... I, I hate it when just because somebody's popular, they get, they get into a bunch of shit. Like, I, I, yeah. that, that annoys the piss out of me because it's like... Don't you want to savor their their goodness and just not overuse them? Like, but no, that's not how society works. Like, society's like, oh, you like that? Well, let's give it to you over and over and over and over and over and over again until you're completely fucking sick of it and you never want to hear it again. That's what happened with Phil. Co like the actress said, uh, Jennifer. Well, that's what happened with Phil Collins in the '80s. I'm actually about to do a video on on when did the world turn on Phil Collins um, because that seemed to happen. Maybe it was after Sissoudi. Well, it was it mainly it was just his over his complete oversaturation. No, yeah, I know he was. He was just, yeah, he was oversaturated. You know, people were just like, I've had enough of this bald British singer. Yeah, this bald British guy. This this balding chubby. And what the fuck yeah. is Sissoudi? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't get as hung up on that stuff as other people do, but I guess that was a, a big deal at one point. Like, oh, it doesn't even mean anything. So what? Why does it got to mean anything? 
Yeah, I, it doesn't have to. It's just one of those, like, it's not one of his best songs, to be perfectly honest. It's just. No, no, no. By, by no means. I mean, the best stuff he ever did was in Genesis, bar none. I mean, the, like, it, his stuff he did in Genesis does not touch his solo career. Well, I, I really like uh, uh, Against All Odds, so. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a pretty good song, you know, but uh I don't know. There's And a lot of people forget that it was from a soundtrack. Yeah. Like it was from the soundtrack for a film called Against All Odds. More people remember the song than they do the I movie. actually saw the movie a long time ago and I waited I ra- I waited around for the credits just so I could hear Against All Odds play and a stupid it was on TV so they had like a commercial oh, no. or a thing come up and they squashed the uh-huh. credits real small in the corner of the screen. I was like, "No!" It's the whole reason I watch this movie, which is kind of a silly reason. It's against all odds, it's a chance I've got to take. So take a look at me look now. Look at me now. There's just an empty space in getting back with you. <laughs> Phil Collins, like he had this like yell thing that he would do when he would sing, and it yeah. just sounded awesome when he did it. But no one else can really pull it off the way he did. Like, you know, you try yeah. to do a Phil Collins song in karaoke, it, it's a bitch, man. It's not as easy as people might think. So you have a lot of people just, like, off-key going, Getting back with you is against all odds. Yeah, well, actually, no. <laughs> uh, most people, if they if they do a Phil Collins song, it's In the Air Tonight, you know, of course, the ubiquitous In the Air Tonight. Anyway, let's get back to this shit here. Um, 